Hello, Real Life family and friends. Uh, we are in a series on why serve. Why is it important that we serve? And last week, we started the series by looking at, really taking a deep dive into the Hebrew uh, and discovering that the word serve and the word work are actually from the same root letters in Hebrew as the word worship. And so just as a short review, I wanted to kind of cover the main points that we talked about in our first message. But before we get into that, let's pray, okay? God, we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word and to continue to learn and grow to be who you've called us to be. We recognize, God, that you have a purpose for our lives and that we that this purpose that you have for us, Lord, there is nothing that will be more fulfilling or greater or satisfying for us. And so we ask that, God, you just continue to speak to us and touch us and change us and, and show us who we are in you. And may we just come alive, come alive in the purposes that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So serve and work are intricately related to worship. In the Hebrew language, when words are built from the same root letters, they are inseparable. And so one of the main things I wanted to share with you was that our service to God or even our work on earth is to be in a, done in a way that we're recognizing it's worship to God. Um, and so our memory verse was Colossians chapter 3, 23 to 24. And it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters or bosses or employers, right? Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord uh, as, as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So the idea of this, this passage out of Colossians is to remember that whatever we're doing, whether we're working, we're serving, we're with family, we're doing whatever in life, our entire existence is about worshiping God. We're doing it all to the glory of God. And uh, so that's what I hope that you, you gained out of last week's uh, message. And also, it reminds me of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, which Jesus says, obviously, is the greatest commandment. And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And it just kind of conjures up this same concept that whatever we're doing, uh, to love God with everything we have is to recognize that our entire life is worship. Uh, Louis Giglio defines worship as giving God his breath back. And that just means as you're breathing, whatever you're doing when you're breathing, that moment belongs to God and we can honor and worship him. So um, as we dive into this uh, idea of serving, I just want to, again, break down a mindset that some of us have lived with, where we compartmentalize our life. Uh, sometimes we will compartmentalize our church life or our faith over here with church, and then we have our work life, and that's something different and separate, and then we have our family life, and then we have our free time, and we have these different components or something like that. But really, the, the purpose of our life, and as we looked at the, this word last week, avodah, which is worship, which also means service and, wor and work, is that this, th this life that we are living is to be all incorporated together, not segregated or broken apart. That our faith is to be infused into everything that we do. That our work is worship. Our service is worship. Our life is worship. 
So service isn't really just a, a piece of our life or an activity. It is who we are. It's who we are. The second uh, point I wanted to review was that our created purpose is to serve. Our DNA is in the image of God. And we are in relationship with God. And God in, has invited us into a partnership with Him for a purpose. And that purpose is to fill and increase and multiply on the earth His image and His will. That's why Jesus says, pray this way, Thy kingdom come, Thy will, O God, be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are the conduits of that um, uh, or the bridge, if you will, for the, the will of heaven to be done on the earth. We, we are the conduit that God has chosen to flow through to establish his image on the earth. This is such a high calling on each and every one of us. It just brings so much more purpose and meaning and value to our everyday activities. Wherever God has put us, whatever God has called us to do, whatever we are doing, as Colossians said, it, it brings meaning to that moment, meaning to that assignment, meaning to that, that time and place and that person and that activity. Because it's holy in God's sight, we are the conduits of heaven to establish the will, the image of God on the earth. It's just amazing. And so uh, this is what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. We talked about that last week, what that means. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse um, 15, the, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do two things, to work it and to take care of it. And so, as we talked about last week, we kind of have two different ideas here, to work it and to take care of it. So we are really gardeners and we are guardians. So we all have a garden. You know, you might be wondering, what is my garden? And the answer to that question is, wherever God has placed you, wherever you are right now. You know, my garden uh, is my family, my wife, my family, the community that I live in. And, uh, and also part of uh, my, my garden is as a pastor of real life and the people that God has put me around to bless, to, to challenge, to grow, to disciple, to love, to care for. And so um, my garden is where God has placed me. And so in this position of father, husband, uh, citizen, pastor, coach, the different roles that God has placed me in and the, the passions God's put inside of me within that space, my area of influence, I have a garden and God has called me to work that garden. In other words, to invest in it, to develop it, to uh, help nurture that garden and also to guard it, to guard it from uh, neglect, to guard it from enemies, right? To guard it from harm, to protect it, to watch over it, and to be uh, intentional about filling it with his image, multiplying, increasing, right? And so that's who you are too. You have a garden and you are called to invest in that space and into the people there and into the opportunities there. 
You're called to develop and nurture and pour into and increase and fill it with the image of God. And you're called to guard it from the enemy, to guard it from harm, uh, and, you know, to watch over it, to care for it. And so that's our created purpose. And every one of us has our own garden. And some of our gardens overlap a little bit, which is pretty cool. But you have a garden. You have an assignment from God. And you're created for that. And, and, it's, and it's the pleasure of each and every one of us to make something of that space, right? To be a blessing to those people. And so today I want to talk about our garden, our home life, you know, our marriage, our kids, our work life, our community life, uh, where we live, where we go to school, uh, you know, every arena, every area around us that God has placed us in is part of our garden. And he wants us to protect it and he wants us to work it. He wants us to make something of it. And so why serve? Because when I'm serving, today's idea is I am impacting eternity. Because when I'm touching people's lives, when I'm impacting people, I'm impacting eternity. So this is, this is such a high calling for each and every one of us. Here's something that just fascinates me. God has chosen to need me. And God has chosen to need you. God could have just uh, created us and kept all of, you know, all of his authority and kept and just bossed us, to, bossed us around or what. He could have created this, this you know, dictatorship kind of a, a thing, but he didn't do it that way. He created us in his image and he gave us real responsibilities. And he is basically saying, I have chosen to need you to establish my will on the earth. I'm going to partner with you and we get to do this together. And so everything that God does on the earth, he does through a willing human vessel. A willing human vessel. God has chosen to partner with you. And God has chosen to empower you, to equip you, and to, to invite you to be like him, to work with him. And, and when we do that, we come alive. We come alive. So God has chosen to need a human vessel to accomplish his will on the earth. Let me just go through a couple examples. I mean, you could go through the whole Bible and see this over and over and over again. But God chose Abraham to be the father of the nation of Israel. God chose Moses to lead his people out of slavery. God chose Israel to be his people, to give his laws to a people, to be a light to the, the other nations in the world. So he chose a people, a, a nation, Israel. And God chose David to establish Jerusalem as the place for his presence to dwell. And God chose Solomon to build the temple for him to dwell in. You may be thinking to yourself, well, <laughs> you know, I'm no Moses, I'm no Abraham, I'm not David or Solomon, I'm not that smart, I'm not that strong, I'm not that important, I don't come from a great family, I'm a nobody. But that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that God has also chosen you. And when we look at other characters from the scriptures, we see that every single person has a purpose. God chose Rahab. I don't know if you know this story, but Rahab was a Canaanite prostitute who protected the spies of Israel before they came to take over Jericho. And God chose Rahab in the lineage of his son, 
uh, who was a prostitute and a foreigner who later became the mother of another famous person in the Bible named Boaz. And God chose Ruth to marry this guy named Boaz. There's a whole book called Ruth, and Ruth was a Moabite. She was a foreigner. She wasn't even from the Israelite nation. And so Ruth and Boaz gave birth to Obed, who became the grandfather of King David. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on. God chose David to defeat Goliath, to set his people free from the Philistines. But you know, David had an incredible failure in his life. Just like all of us, we all sin, we all fall short. And sometimes, you know, we look at our track record and I look at mine, I'm like, oh, I, what am I doing here? Who am I to be a pastor? Who am I to, to do this or to do that? I mean, I'm, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. Look at my mistakes, you know. And yet, the Bible says we have all sinned. We've all fallen short, but we are qualified through the blood of Jesus Christ because once we surrender our life to Christ, He forgives us, cleanses us, and He comes alongside of us to work in us and through us. And in spite of us, God is still accomplishing His will on the earth through us. <laughs> You know, in spite of your mistakes, God is still accomplishing His will through your life. In those moments where you're depending on Him and leaning on Him and letting Him lead and guide you, God shows up. He does things. And He's looking for you and me to just continue to surrender our life into His hands and allow Him to fill us and use us. So David, let's talk about David's uh, scandal. Remember, he... Um, saw a woman, her name was Bathsheba, and he lusted for her. And so he slept with her. And then he did a scheme where he actually, she was married and he actually had her husband basically killed in war. So David in all of this was an adulterer. He was a murderer. And yet God still used David's sin and it's not that the sin wasn't bad or wasn't wrong or wasn't harmful. It was, but again, in spite of David's sin, God still used him and Bathsheba to have Solomon. And through Solomon, as you continue through the lineage of fallen human beings, foreigners, prostitutes, murderers, people who were sinners, okay, God was still accomplishing his will on the earth. Now, it wasn't his will that sin was on the earth. Sin is never God's will, obviously. But God is bigger than our sin. God is bigger than your mistakes. And so even through all of that, God gets glory. He is able to overcome our own failures. So don't listen to the lie that you're disqualified because of your sin. Don't listen to the lie that you're not important enough, that God can't use you. God has decided to need you. He has chosen you to partner with him to accomplish his will on the earth. And in spite of your sin and your failures, God is still going to use you if you allow him to have space in your life. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And we're not going to be perfect until Jesus comes back. It's just the fact of the matter. And yet God is bigger than our mistakes. So let's continue to grow and to become more and more like him. 
so that more of our life is reflecting Jesus on the earth and is reflecting his image. I love that. And even to the point of salvation itself, God chose to use a human willing vessel. And that vessel was his own son, Jesus. The Bible says Jesus became human. He left his God card in heaven, right? He came down from heaven to earth in the form of a human. He also became a human for us to be saved. God has chosen to establish his will on the earth through a willing human vessel, even our own salvation through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is what Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 7. We get this kind of uh, you know, insight into a conversation between Jesus and God. It says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, So when Christ, now, you know, Christ is the Word of God, right? He's eternal. He's part of the Trinity of, of God. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. It was Jesus, right? So, so Jesus you know, is God, and yet the, the mystery, which our brains can't wrap around, somehow God and the Son, the Trinity, whatever, Jesus comes. He becomes human. And when he entered the world as a human, he said this, to the Father. He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. In other words, all of the sacrifices of animals, the blood, the shedding of blood of animals for the atonement for sin, that wasn't, that's not your desire. That's not your true will. But, listen to this, a body you prepared for me. So Jesus is talking to the Father He's in the world. He says, you don't want the blood of animals and goats, but you have given me a body. Now I have this body, this human body. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. But now I have this body. And he says, then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Jesus is saying this, God I know what this is all about. You've given me this body. The blood of animals and goats didn't pay, cannot pay for the permanent atonement of sin. But this body you've given me can do that. Because I am not of this world, I am not of the sin. But the body that you've given me, I know, I understand, I'm going to lay that body down. I'm going to give it into your hands. And the blood that I shed will be the atonement that's needed for the forgiveness of man's sin, mankind's sin. And so Jesus says, here I am. Here's my body. Here's my life. I have come to do your will. Wow, isn't that amazing? Jesus, Jesus is the willing human vessel that God used for the salvation of mankind. God has chosen to work through willing human vessels to establish his will on the earth. How about you? How about you? Are you willing to say the same thing that Jesus has said? That's your created purpose is to say, God, here I am. You have given me this body. 
Now, Lord, I have come to do your will. This, this body belongs to you. This life belongs to you. I am your willing human vessel to fill and to move through to establish your image on the earth. I'll do that through the work I do, through the place I live, in the garden that you have placed me, around the people that I can influence. Lord, I am here to do your will. That is a completely different mindset for living life. That's the mindset that I'm challenging you to have. God has prepared a body for you to live in for a little while. And while you're in this body, you have incredible potential. And your potential is bound to this one thing, your willingness to partner with God in accomplishing his purpose on the earth. Your potential is determined by your willingness to allow God to rule and reign in and through your life. So be willing as Jesus was willing. I am who I am today in God because through many people throughout my life in many different ways and at many different times, God has used people to pray for me, to challenge me, to pour into me, to pray for me, to invite me to church, to teach me, to model for me, to care for me and to care about me. And God has used people in my life to bless me and to, to shape me. And God hopefully is using me to do the same for others. And God is using you to be that blessing to other people. At one time in my life, when I was younger, I remember I had three what I called adopted grandmothers who prayed for me every day. Some of, some of you who have been uh, around for a long time might remember some of these ladies, Ma uh, Marie Mayberry, Ruth Garfield, and Wilma Ellis. They've all passed on uh, into heaven. But when I was younger, they all were praying for me every single day. And listen, I have no idea the power and the impact of those prayers that they prayed for me in my life. But one day I will see the fullness of the impact of those prayers when I get to heaven. But I know that they were praying for me, protecting me in prayer, guarding over me and influencing me by just loving me in the way that they could love and caring for me by praying for me every day. And that meant a lot to me and it still means a lot to me because like I said, I don't even know the fullness of the impact of the investment of prayer that they gave me. But God called them to do that. And God has called you, and He has a plan and purpose for your life. And if you're willing, God will use you to establish His image on the earth, to be a blessing to other people, to impact people which will impact eternity. There's three lies I want you to not believe about this topic. I don't want you to believe this lie, I'm not gifted. And I don't want you to believe the lie, I'm not qualified. And I don't want you to believe the lie, I'm not special. These are things that the enemy whispers into our ears all the time. You're not qualified. You're not special. You're not good enough. You have nothing to offer. Don't listen to those lies. This is what the Bible says. You are gifted. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, Each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Each of you has a gift from God. Number two, you are qualified. Colossians 1.12 says, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. You are qualified by faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing that you could do to make yourself any more righteous than placing faith in Jesus because He has cleansed you of your sin. Yeah, I know you still sin. I know you still have troubles. I know you're still working some things out. So am I. 
I know that. But as far as your position before God, you see, you can't be any more righteous or qualified in the eyes of God because of your faith in Jesus Christ. But God is now at work in you to work those things out of you that don't belong to you and work into you the image of Christ. That's what he's doing. So we just continue to have an open heart. We continue to have a soft heart before God and we continue to grow and let him change us from the inside out. But we're qualified because of Jesus, not because of our performance, but because of Jesus. And finally, you are special. You are special. Every single one of us is special. You might not be a movie star. You might not be a track athlete or, or a, a, a superstar athlete or something like that, or a famous person. You might uh, not be noticed by a lot of people. But that, that's the world's way of thinking. That's not how God sees you. You are special. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are chosen. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special possession. You're God's treasured possession. You can't be any more special to God than you are. There's nobody more special to God than you. Every one of us is absolutely a special treasured possession to God. And so the, the, uh, the disciples were arguing about you know, this idea of serving and, uh, and they had this worldly mindset about trying to be great and trying to impress and all that. And again, this is a reminder of why we serve. It says in Luke chapter 9, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. So their, their thinking is all wrong here. They're trying to um, worldly think about how to become great in the kingdom that Jesus is t t telling them about. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child a little child, and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. And Jesus was reminding his disciples, greatness is not defined um, uh, in heaven the way that man defines it here on earth. Greatness on earth is to be the, the most famous, the most wealthy, the, the strongest, the fastest, the biggest, uh, most popular, or something like that, right? But he's like, that's not greatness in heaven. Greatness is in heaven is the one who goes to the lowest place, the one who serves everyone else, not who is being served, not who gets to be at the top, but the person who chooses to go to the bottom. Jesus says, that's greatness in the kingdom, is to give your life away, is to surrender your life to God. And let Him use you in planting your life, investing your life into people around you. That's what greatness is in the kingdom. Uh, last week, I was watching the football game, NFL football game. You know, I'm a big Tom Brady fan, and he's, uh, he's known as the GOAT, right? The GOAT means the greatest of all time. So Tom Brady's known as, like, the greatest quarterback of all time. And I just looked up real quick some of his records. And he's, like, got all of these all-time records that he holds because, you know, that's what makes you the GOAT, I guess. you got all the records. He's got the, the most Super Bowl rings. He's won seven Super Bowls. He's uh, got the most passing yards, over 84,000 passing yards, the most touchdowns thrown, the most completions, uh, the most wins. You know, he's got all these records. 
And I was thinking about that, like, okay, so that's great for Tom Brady, but what about me? What about you? When we're talking about greatness, you know, and I started thinking about this, we're not throwing touchdown passes, we're not trying to get victories, but what are our Jesus stats? <laughs> what are the stats that get heaven's attention? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all we're going to do is try to do, 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 and earn our way to heaven and earn some kind of accolades in heaven. We're not, that's not our focus. Our focus is to surrender and yield our life to God, and God will use us as He sees fit. But, but you can't get away from the idea that, that what impresses heaven is serving, is giving, is loving. And I was just thinking, what are our Jesus stats? Just to think about it, you know. How many encouraging letters do you have written? Prayers that you've prayed? Acts of love that you've done? Raking, baking, helping, sowing, I don't know, texts of encouragement that you've sent, calls that you've made to, to build somebody else up, hugs that you've given, hours that you've served, verses that you've shared with people. If you've worked in our nursery, how many diapers have you changed you know, in worshiping God? <laughs> Lessons that you've taught to children, candy that you've donated for our events, cookies that you've baked, and so many ladies, the soup, the bowls of soup that you have cooked over the years. PowerPoints maybe that you've made or bulletins that you've stuffed or rides that you've given or smiles that you've offered or greetings that you've given at the door or clothes that you've donated or just words of encouragement that you've spoken. I, I think of people who are serving the real life family at the door on Sunday mornings greeting the people that are in our sound booth, you know, dialing up the, the knobs and putting up the screens and the, the worship team of songs that they're singing and playing and chords are strumming and the, the children's uh, workers, our security team, people who've helped clean our building and maintain things, and, and our life group leaders, and all of our elders, and people who encourage each other, and reach out to each other, and pray for each other, and our prayer teams, and all of the different ways that you can get involved with. The people who make funeral dinners, and serving um, our teachers, you know, once a year for our teachers' luncheon, and the soup to go, and the missions that we do. I mean, all of these things that we're doing, these are like Jesus stats in my mind. Like, God notices these things. Heaven's recording these things. And we're not earning salvation, but because we're saved, because God is in us, God's doing some amazing things. And what are those stats, you know, for you? I know that we don't know those things. But God says, even when you give a cup of water to a thirsty, thirsty person in my name, heaven notices isn't it awesome to think about? It all matters. It matters. And I, let me give you this verse, Hebrews 6.10, to encourage you. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Isn't that awesome? I feel like all of our stats are being recorded in heaven. I, I feel like God is like, oh, write that one down. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's awesome. It says God is not unjust. He's not going to forget. He's not going to, your work for him, your worship for him, your service to him, that you're doing for other people. He said, credit that to, to, to me. They just loved me. They just encouraged me when they encouraged that person. Write that one down. Oh, check that one out. It says he's not going to forget. He's not, these things are not going to go unnoticed. And somehow this is part of our reward in heaven. I'm not sure how that works, but 
There's a rejoicing in heaven. There's an accountability for the way our lives have been lived on earth because it's our purpose. Our purpose is to worship him and worship means serving and working too. That's what worship is, is taking the life that God's given us and giving it back. Yeah, I hope you're seeing this. I hope you're getting excited about all the little things that God is using you to do to bless people that's impacting eternity. Wow. And so I want to finish with this reminder of Matthew chapter 25. It says, Jesus telling a parable, and he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. So you see how practical this is? I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then they're going to answer him. The righteous are going to answer him and say, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? What? They're going to be confused. They're going to be, I don't understand. I don't remember seeing you there. I don't, what are you talking about? And then he says this. And I know you know this, but let it sink in again today. The power of the statement. The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me that's why we serve because we're worshiping god and when we love each other when we serve each other when we serve the purpose god has for us when we take care of the garden god has placed us in when we fill it nurture it guard it care for it care for the people give our life away we're doing it for him we're doing it for him. Jesus has sent us into this world. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So Jesus has sent us into this world with his news, with his truth, with his good news. And he has equipped us. To do this, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus has sent you, he has equipped you, and he is with you. Matthew 28, verse 20 at the end, he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So my challenge for you is to begin serving or keep serving in the giftings and passions that God has given you. To make this your lifestyle, not just a separate compartment, but everything that you do to, to worship God in this mindset because it changes eternity when we impact people. And so build up some of your Jesus stats, okay? And before we finish this talk, I just want to invite you if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He loves you. He died for you. He was the human vessel that came to shed His blood, to give His life,
to redeem your life from sin and from death. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me, through his sacrifice. And so the Bible says everyone who calls on Jesus or who places their faith in Jesus or who believes in Jesus, trusts in him, will be saved. And so that's what you need to do today if you want to be saved. If you want to be delivered and saved from the sentence of death and to have eternal life in God. And so what I like to do is lead people that are ready to do that in a prayer. But the prayer isn't really the thing. It's your decision of your will to trust in Jesus. But the Bible does say, call on the name of the Lord. And so we're going to call on his name today. And if you're doing this with me, you will be saved. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you right now. We thank you that you were the willing vessel from heaven that came to earth, clothed in a human body, that you were willing to give your life, to lay your life down as a ransom for us, to pay a debt of death and sin we could not pay for ourselves. And so thank you today. And today, just make this your personal prayer. Jesus, I choose to trust in you. I declare with my mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And because you are the first fruits of the resurrection, I too will be resurrected to eternal life through my faith in you. I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Well, I want to bless you and encourage you uh, with this blessing to continue to be filled with God's Spirit and to be led by His Spirit to make a difference in your life. Everything you do is worship. Everything you do is worship unto God. So let Him lead you and guide you this week as you touch people. And as you're touching people, as you're loving people, you're touching God's heart. You're loving God. So now may God, the Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in His name. Amen. Amen.